welcome to your spiritual BFF podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Easter Johnson. Do you ever want to ask all your woo-woo, weird questions to someone, but don't know who to go to? Are you spiritually curious? Well, I'm your girl, here to guide you in all things spirituality, manifestation, crystals, energy healing, and more. Welcome to your awakening. Hello, I'm so glad you're here for this special guest episode. Today on the podcast, I'm sharing this beautiful space with Annie McDonald. And Annie is a children's book editor turned acupuncturist, sound healing practitioner, and grief guide. There is so much Annie and I chat about in this beautiful episode about the sacredness of grief, the emotional energetic facets of grief, and the significance of signs like angel numbers and feathers and unique signs that we get from our loved ones. We talk about the different kinds and types of grief, and it's more than loss of a loved one. It can be loss of time. Um, There can be anticipatory grief. We go into all of this in the episode. I was really fascinated to learn um, about the different types of grief and like really bringing awareness of grief being all around us in, in, in our in daily life. Even, um, we talk through the emotional energetic facets of grief. Annie, Annie is like a beautiful healer in, in her own right. And, um, through her acupuncture, um, ex, uh, schooling and, and, and education and um, studies and things like that and, and her sound healing experience and her attunement to um, the energetic components of this. She has such a beautiful connection to the process of grief and the sacredness of the experience and how grief is a full body experience. And she gives some great tips in this episode about where to start. If you're recognizing through just listening, like, oh, I think I have more grief that I'm holding than I thought different types of grief. Annie gives some really amazing um, tools about where to start with processing and moving through that. And she even has a once a month grief circle, which will be linked into the show notes. That's totally free um, that she hosts online and includes sound healing as a part of that. And we get into discussion, discussion about what that looks like, what a grief circle looks like and ways to, um, get signs from our loved ones, which I know you guys are going to love that piece. We, we talk about some of that and Annie shares a beautiful story about her experience with that after her dad's passing. This is such a beautiful episode, you guys. It's not scary. It's not an episode to avoid just because we're talking about grief and passing of, of loved ones. Um, there are, Annie brings such a lightness to this conversation. And she, like I said, she's such a healer. So the, the energy that's brought to this episode is that of love and compassion. And there's joy and grief as well. We, we get into that in this episode. So I hope you um, will sit back and, and listen listen and you'll definitely, I think, have your own experience during this. And um, I think you're going to find a lot of value in this episode. So sit back and here we go. Okay. Hello, Annie. How are you? Hi, good. I'm happy to be here. Yay. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited you're here. Today we're talking to Annie McDonald, and I'd love to give you an opportunity, Annie, to share a little bit about who you are, what you do, and how you got into this work. Sure. Um, so I'm Annie McDonald. Um, I'm a children's book editor turned acupuncturist, sound healing practitioner, and grief guide. 
Um, and I call myself a grief guide because grief is kind of like a wilderness or like wild water rapids. And uh, sometimes when you're out in the wild, it can help to have someone a little familiar with the terrain to, uh, to shepherd you through the, um, the thorny parts. Um, so grief played a part in why I became an acupuncturist in the first place. And then um, as I've gone along, it's um, impacted me further that made me want to focus on it. Um, one of the, there, a lot of things led me to acupuncture and I took a really long time to decide to make the commitment to go back to grad school and uh, completely change paths in midlife. Um, but one of the really um, like, uh, I'm looking for the right word, like a touchstone moment um, or a pivot for, for me was, um, the very first cat I had on my own as an adult um, came down with cancer at a very young age. She was only four. And um, I tried some natural methods and it ended up being a very uh, quick, like two and a half, three months um, that she, she left me, unfortunately. Um, but in that time, I learned to um, give her hospice treatment at home. And, um, I, you know, I learned to give her some injections and it was a really, um, it's very sad time, but it was also, um, surprisingly joyful is not the right word, but really touching and powerful, um, to be that connected to a loved one in that time of life and to, um, to be to do everything possible that I could to make her as comfortable as possible for as long as possible and just the bond that developed between us through that. Um, so I realized that it was, there's a certain emotional satisfaction to that work for me. Um, I'm a Pisces with a Scorpio moon. So, okay. so very, very watery. Totally. I swim in emotions all day long. So, um, so I had previously, I thought, you know, in high school, I had thought about being a doctor or a pediatrician. Um, but for one thing, the Western medical model didn't really suit me. But for another thing, I just thought I was too emotional to, to handle that. And um, so this experience partly showed me that I am emotional, but I am also strong enough to navigate my emotions <laughs> and um and my vet would would laugh and tell me that like he had um he had nurses who like human nurses who wouldn't give injections to their own cats because <laughs> it's so tricky so he would my vet would constantly like try and boost me up and say like you're doing so good you're you know you're, you're handling this so well and so it just kind of clicked in my head that like I actually was competent with like working with the needles and kind of like the the nursing aspect of it as well as the emotional aspect of it um, was something that I could handle too so um, I didn't immediately pivot at that point but that was like one of the key seeds where like there's more that you can do in this world and there's more that will bring you a deeper level of satisfaction 
but I'm not sure how to get there yet. Um, but so that was one of the, the key moments. And then in more recent years, since I have become an acupuncturist, um, I have lost my own parents and I've lost several, several more pets in between actually. Um, so I have a lot of personal experience with grief and to me, it's um, such a, a universal experience that doesn't get acknowledged enough. Um, so I'm, I feel like it's part of my mission to, to go there with people. Oh, Annie. Oh my gosh. First off, just thank you for sharing everything you just did. Do you mind? What is the name of your cat, the girl? My cat was Delia. She's one of my spirit kitties who I, I, think, we, I think, I think we had a soul contract where, um, she was a great teacher. That's exactly what's going to be the next thing out of my mouth. Annie was like, wow, she had a mission here and you had to connect. And look yeah. what was like opened up for you and connected and like the, the gifts and the gifts and the grief and the gifts and the, mm -hmm. you mentioned like the, the fulfillment and satisfaction of, of what that process was like caring for her. That was mm -hmm. so special. Oh, thank you for sharing that with us really. Oh, well, thank you for listening. And I, I'm always one thing people should know about grief too, is that it's a gift to be able to say someone's name. You know, sometimes people think like, oh, I don't want to bring that person up because it will upset them. And no, that's actually the opposite of true for most people that um, it's to to feel to uh, give voice to that ongoing connection with their loved ones it feels really good. It does. Annie, I yes, that's one reason why I wanted to ask what her name was. And then. I, I um, lost uh, someone when I was in college that I was close to. Mm -hmm. And I remember being so um, afraid around his mom to say his mm -hmm. name. And somebody, I will never forget, somebody was talking to her um, after the funeral and had mentioned and, and was avoiding using his name. Mm -hmm. And she could tell that they were avoiding mm -hmm. it to try to bring comfort to her and didn't want to like upset her more. And she gently said like, no, please use his name. Yeah. his name and then I had another friend mention the same thing to me like when I use their name it like keeps them um like their spirit close and alive and that mm -hmm. connection that we had and I I have never I got chills when I heard her say that I'm like wow because I too thought the opposite and so any chance I get to like bring up my past loved ones and their names and when I have like open conversations with people about that like, you can tell how special it is for them to be able to save the person or the animal or the the their mm -hmm. name again Right. What, what was the name of your friend? His name was Marquis. 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 Yeah, yeah, I feel like it is inviting them in. I mean, they're around us anyway, but who doesn't like an invitation to exactly. in the conversation? Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. And Annie, I think you, and I think everybody will see after this episode that you do such a beautiful job talking about a subject that many avoid like very purposefully try to avoid mm -hmm. conversations about this. And I know that's part of your mission here and, you know, in the world. And we had talked you and I about grief literacy in our society mm -hmm. and, and what that looks like and different types of grief. So I'd like to touch on both of those um, as a way to introduce more literacy into our mm -hmm. lives about, about dealing with grief, our grief ourselves, or being around loved ones who are grieving 
things mm-hmm. like that. So I don't know where you want to start with that, but what kind of comes up for you? I know this is kind of your mission piece about like exposing more and having more conversations about this with like grief literacy. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure, definitely. Um, I mean, it's a huge conversation. So uh, there are so many different entry points. Um, I guess the first thing I'd like to say about it is that grief is hiding in plain sight everywhere, especially after the last few years of the pandemic, um, because grief isn't just about death. It's uh, loss of identity, loss of job, loss of purpose, um, loss of health, loss of relationships, and just about every human alive in the past few years. Even like you can grieve the loss of normalcy and the loss of the way things were. Um, To me, grief is really a kind of um, ongoing longing for something that can never be again or, or someone who can never be present physically with you again. Um, and it's really something that you cherish so much. It's, a, it's an unbroken love that needs to find a new outlet. So, um, so people may not even realize the grief that they're carrying for themselves. And that's important to touch into and acknowledge because a lot of anxiety is actually unprocessed grief. Um, So there's a great book, um, I forget the title, but there is a book that actually is like, um, anxiety is like the last stage of grief or, um, so it's these emotions kind of roiling beneath the surface. Um, they They can turn into physical problems, they can turn into, you know, anger can often be a mask for grief. Um, it wears, it, it has many different disguises, um, because people are so afraid to say the word grief, or to own it for themselves. I mean, so many times, when I talk to people, they feel like they're not even entitled to their grief. They'll say like, oh, well, I should be over it by now, or it was just a friend, it wasn't a family member, or it was just this, it was, you know, other people have it worse. So it's like, it's not a competition, (laughs) you know? Your grief is your own. It's yours to honor and cherish as a marker of something so precious to you. You don't have to measure it against anyone else. Um, so another way in, just this conversation is taking place act- actually during, um, it seems like every day is like a national something or other day. But um, if you're on Instagram, you might notice that this week is um, National Infertility Awareness Week. So this is one of the um, types of grief that's, it can be called like ambiguous grief or disenfranchised grief. Um, Basically a grief that isn't widely recognized by society. So you feel extra isolated in it. Um, It can be ambiguous because, you know, when you're in a a fertility journey, you're trying to stay hopeful and positive but you're dealing with all these setbacks and um, pregnancy losses potentially or um, unsuccessful IVFs. And um, it's a really emotionally grueling experience. And it's so hidden from people because your coworkers may know nothing that's going on. Um, It's very private and um, 
And even if you might hear about uh, an early pregnancy loss, people don't really want to go there and they don't know what to say to you and they don't realize how it can stay on your mind and in your heart for for way longer than than people might realize. Um, so there are all these all these griefs out there um, waiting to be acknowledged and grief really does want to be witnessed. It can it can help you feel a lot better surprisingly when you have someone acknowledge your experience without judgment with just compassion um so that i yeah there are lots of other um another big one that actually people might not realize that they're carrying and just this week i've it's come up a few times for me um is anticipatory grief yes which is um again it's a death hasn't happened yet but it's on the horizon um, you know, if you're giving hospice care to a, an elderly pet and you don't know, you know, when will be our last um, camping trip together, when will be our last walk through the park together. Um, if you have a, an elderly parent with dementia, there's so many losses along the way um, before death even happens. So many, you know, death of, of their identity and their memory and um, their relationship with you. Um, so antici anticipatory grief is a big one because it's just like this, this cloud looming overhead and it's so destabilizing because you just, you, there's no control. You know, you don't know what's gonna happen next. Hey, it goes back to how you introduced this work. You've mentioned like it being like the wilderness and it could be um, like rapids and like some of that. And so if somebody is like recognizing, I think I'm grieving more than I thought I was, even in ways that maybe we don't think of traditionally, we think of grief. You mentioned a few, which I didn't even realize Annie sitting here, just listening to you share and put this into words, like grief over time. Like, I think a lot of us have experienced mm -hmm. that with COVID. Like my, my little sister graduated from high school and like, there's so much like loss of mm -hmm. that experience and the beginning of that, those years. And I heard somebody say that the other day, they were like, I'm about to be 30, but I was in my mid twenties when the pandemic happened. And I feel mm -hmm. like all my mid twenties and the late twenties are gone. Like, right. and she was talking about this and I didn't identify it as grief. I just identified it as her, like having a longing, but I didn't like call it in my mind. I was like, oh, she's grieving as mm -hmm. she's like sharing this out loud. So thank you for sharing with us, like the different types of grief, anticipatory grief. That's something I had never heard of, but as you describe it, it's very real. I witnessed it in my own mother with her mother. And then I think with myself, with my grandmother and like di totally different things. Definitely my sister with some of her pets. And so thank you for like helping us put some language to the grief that's literally all around us. But if somebody's witnessing right now through this conversation, wow, I think I'm grieving more than I thought I was and in different ways, what might be ways for them to get support? I know you mentioned one being speaking to someone like and talking out loud mm -hmm. about it to be held, but we probably can't just do that with anybody because many people mm -hmm. are probably uncomfortable with these things. Mm -hmm. And I know it's a lot of the sacred nature of the work that you do with people, but where might people start if they're recognizing, I think I need some support here to move through this. 
Mm-hmm. Um, well, definitely, you know, creativity is a wonderful place to start, end with, go through the middle with. Um, so depending on what people are drawn to, um, you know, visually, or if they're a word person, um, you can definitely journal about your experience. And, and part of, um, you know, part of losing something precious too, is that at a certain point, you do start to forget like the way someone's voice sounded or, you know, like stuff that matters so much to you. If you don't have a recording or you know, pictures, you start to, you question yourself, like, do I even remember the way their smile lit up the room? And so, um, so it can be really helpful to write down or maybe make a scrapbook, um, just try and capture uh, your impressions of the experience and what you love about that person or place or time um, there. And you can find too, like uh, there are different journals and um, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of the book. If you like go to Amazon and Google grief books, there are different journals that come up um, with different ideas for for journaling prompts and questions to ask yourself and um, you can definitely uh, like I as a sound healer I love music so you could make um, I have make, I have a Spotify playlist of um, sad songs that can help people if they if they feel like they need to cry but it's kind of stopped up yeah. so um, you know make a, a playlist of songs that were very meaningful to you or to you and your person who you lost or you know if you're if you're kind of missing your your high school experience maybe make a playlist of songs that you would have danced to at your prom yes that bring you back to this point in time in a happier way Um, and then you know obviously taking pictures or drawing if you're um artistic in that way so that's that's a kind of natural way in and then from there um you know, you, I'm glad you said that too, that like you, you have to be careful about who you share your grief with, because um, you don't want to be, grief can feel very raw and tender. And um, part of what's hard about it is that um, you do sometimes have to put up protective barriers to, to keep that tender wound safe. Um, so people should never feel obligated to, you know, sometimes you can tell people are being kind of nosy, like, well, how did the person die? And like, well, what happened? And like, they're not, it's not coming, from, it doesn't sound like it's coming from a place of compassion. It kind of sounds like yeah. it's coming from a place of like, well, I want to know the story so that I can go tell this person, you know, all the details. And so you're not obligated to share anything that you don't want to share with anyone. Um, but um, there are uh, on, online, there are, there are now virtual grief circles. Um, I hold a free monthly virtual grief circle over Zoom on the last Tuesday of every month that includes a sound bath. Um, and if you have a specific um, one of the great things about the internet is that there are so many specific subgroups developing out there. So, you know, if you've experienced um, a loss by suicide, 
if you Google that, there, there will be specific support groups for people who have lost loved ones through suicide. Um, so you can find general grief counseling services, but sometimes you can even find um, something super specific. Okay, I did not know that. And I also didn't realize, Annie, that you um, host a grief circle once a month and a sound mm -hmm. healing. That's so beautiful. When did the sound healing portion of your work come through? And like, how does that impact the work you do with acupuncture and or with, with grief work? Um, well, in the, the free circle, the way I do it is I, I like, as an acupuncturist, I'm aware of like yin and yang and uh, the, you want to keep the balance of opposites. So um, in my work, I like to be mindful of active practice active practices and more passive, um, restful practices. So um, the first half of a circle is usually, um, it's usually a very small group, so very intimate, um, and people can keep their cameras off if they're, they feel uncomfortable being seen. Um, but the first part is the more active part where we can talk, share what inspired us to show up or just say a name or say some detail. Sometimes I'll read a poem that I feel might resonate with people. Um, and then I lead people through um, some very simple, they kind of come partly from Qigong and partly from energy medicine. It's just some simple self-care practices that you can, you know, there's, um, when you're grieving, sometimes you can feel like, what do I even do with this grief? Like it just feels so heavy or you can just feel so tangled up by it. Um, and especially if you're, um, you know, if you have this deep well of love that it feels like you don't have an outlet for, um, I like to show people ways that they can direct that love back towards themselves. Mm -hmm to comfort themselves through a difficult time. Um, so that will be just a few very simple active practices um, that also like from a physical perspective, help calm the nervous system down, help shift your breathing patterns and your brain waves. And um, so after that first part, then the second part is I tell everyone to just sit back or lie down wherever they are and um, just to receive a um, sound bath with a guided meditation. So it's, um, you know, the sound quality through Zoom, as we were just talking about before yeah. the call, like it's, um, you know, a sound bath in person will never compare to a Zoom sound bath. But I the feedback I've gotten that it actually, um, it is amazing because energy travels. Right. You know, it's not, it's boundless. So yep. Um, I just do a guided meditation while playing some singing bowls and some other instruments that I have to lead people. Um, I, I have a, another virtual session that I call Wellspring because my intention is to lead people inwards to that wellspring of peace and joy and love and creativity that's always inside us waiting to be um, waiting to be drunk from, but it's can, we can get very disconnected from it with all the distractions of modern day living. Um, so that's, that's kind of how I work. 
Oh, amazing. I can hear so much of like the energetic pieces within that, even your grief circle and, and what that looks like and such a healing opportunity for people to come and be held. And, uh, yeah, amazing. If people want to do that, we're not, the episode's not over guys, but I'm just wondering (laughs) if we'll link that in the show notes or if if they should go somewhere, if they want or considering joining that virtually sometimes. Sure. They can go to my website, which is, we'll put in the, we'll put it in the, the links. Um, and I can, I'll give you a direct link to the, the grief circle, um, booking button so that they can get the zoom info. If they just, um, you know, if they just sign up for the, um, it's the last Tuesday evening of every month. Um, and I only post like one month at a time on my website, but, um, it's pretty simple to click a button and get on the list. Oh, amazing. Thank you for offering that and, and mentioning it and providing that resource to folks and dedicating a, a, a day every month of your time and energy and your healing. You're such a healer and like and the, working the energy of these things. And I know that's, you've mentioned a little bit about what that looks like of like the emotional, energetic, like facets of grief. And you just mentioned one that was like, I don't know what to do with this. I think mm-hmm. and then the nervous system component of that. And then we get into like overwhelmed state and I'm all the time on here. Everybody knows this listening. Like I'm all the time bringing everything back to the nervous system. So no surprise, I would bring back even topics of grief to the nervous system. Well, it really is a part of everything. I mean, if you think like the brain is the the center of the nervous system and the brain's involved in pretty much everything that hopefully the brain is involved in everything we do. Um, and the heart is a big, the heart has a huge electromagnetic field involved in that too. So um, it's all connected. Ooh, amazing. And you mentioned Qigong. Is that something you do with your practice too? I've been introduced to that recently by a client of mine and she led us through a few of it, um, a few of those one time. And it was powerful. I didn't expect it. I watched her do it first. So I'm like, okay, cool. But when you experience it and you're doing it yourself, it's like, my gosh, it was amazing. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, it is, feels like a magic trick sometimes yes. the, um, as in acupuncture school. It sounds funny to say like we had like a phys ed, um, requirement kind of where we had to take a couple semesters of Tai Chi and a couple semesters of Qigong. Mm. Um, and, I'm getting more and more into Qigong, like in my first encounter with it, you know, I'm a New Yorker and, um, and I'm a Gemini rising. So I'm kind of like fast, 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 fast. Um, And Qigong is very slow. So (laughs) it wasn't a, uh, you know, I definitely had resistance to it at first. Like, oh, this is like agonizingly slow. (laughs) that's like partly the medicine I need right Um, so so like the older I get the more I'm like oh it actually feels kind of good to slow down especially for people that are like overstimulated sometimes like and I have a very sensitive nervous system and I can easily get overstimulated so I'm always doing regulation practices and Mm -hmm. it's essentially like moving and manipulating I don't want to use the word manipulating, but it's like moving energy really intentionally much more slowly than we're used to like going, going, going in our day-to-day lives. So yeah, it could be a really powerful one. I'm glad you brought it up. I'd forgotten about it, honestly. So I'm glad you dropped it in there. If anybody wants to look up that modality, it's spelled with a Q, correct? Uh, yes, it's Q-I-G-O-N-G. And there are tons of different um, different types out there. Um, I'm not a huge like lineage person. Um, you know, definitely like 
honor my teachers, but at the same time, every person I feel like needs to have their own toolkit that pulls what resonates and what leaves what doesn't. And um, so I would tell people to like experiment and see what they're drawn to. Um, My favorite currently is um, there are six healing sounds in Qigong. So I like working with those. Um, And so like Qigong is some, you'll see that like some, it feels a little bit more like yoga. Some, it looks like if you've ever been in a big city park where you see everyone like moving slowly in unison, um, that's, that can be Tai Chi or Qigong. Um, It's really just like a, almost like a martial arts movement in super slow motion. but some Qigong you can do just like lying down because, you know, it, it involves like breath, um, mindfulness, uh, sound potentially, visualization, um, light stretching. It's really not, uh, I don't think there are any Qigong that's really like strenuous. Um, but like you said, it, it's surprisingly powerful to drop into your body and slow down and notice. And the, it translates roughly to um, like chi is kind of universal life force energy. Yeah. And the gung part is means generally like cultivation. So it's a practice of like mindfully connecting into your own energy and doing what you can to cultivate it and help it grow or just use it with intention. Um, so I would encourage people to just kind of look around and see what I'm just starting a, a new Qigong now called Buddha Palm. That's all about working with the energy that comes from your heart down through your hands, um, which I've worked with kind of on my own, but I'm excited to have a really good teacher to um, go a little bit deeper into that. So there's so many different, and it doesn't have to like the Qigong that I teach people in just like 10 minutes. It's super intuitive. It, I don't like people to get hung up on like, am I doing it wrong? Am I doing it out of order? Is my te-? It's like, it's not about technique. It's about being present. Ooh. Oh my gosh. I haven't ever, I didn't know there was other types and I love the way you explain it. And I, I say this probably every other podcast episode, Annie. So I love that you said it, you said take what resonates and like leave the rest. Like find what tools work for you, modalities work for you. And I encourage everybody to kind of like look this one up. And even Annie mentioned the different types It is very empowering because you, like you mentioned, you don't need like all this special like education to like figure it out or to try mm-hmm. it for the first time. Like I followed along to someone doing it on zoom. And like you mentioned what you do for, for folks and like teaching it in like 10 minutes, you can receive like, it feels like you're doing like an old, like your own energy where what you are, as you said, you're coming back to your energy. So thank you for that little, like aside about that, um, as one of those modalities to support in there. So thank you. Sure. And yeah, you can go on to YouTube and, um, like Lee Holden is a huge, he's been doing it for like 30 years. Um, so he has a, he has his own website, but he has a ton of free stuff on YouTube. And if you're having like, you can Google like Qigong for back pain, Qigong for, um, you know, insomnia and find these little, you know, 10 minute videos to kind of experiment with. Awesome resources. See, everybody, we are our own best healers. You know, I say that all the time too. We are our own best healers. So finding these little nuggets um, through podcast episodes like this, I love these conversations. 
Now, this is something I think my audience is going to love discussion about, which is signs like angel numbers and mm -hmm. feathers and things like that. I'd love to chat about that because my, I got into more spiritual spirituality the way I know it now, not how the way I grew up and like my adult self and figuring out what I believed about the world, trying to figure out like all the things when I was about 22, 23, somebody, I saw somebody on online somewhere, I'm sure talking about angel numbers and how she sees them everywhere. And they're so special to her. And I'm like, what in the heck is an angel number? And I finally figured it out. And I started trying to look for them and like, I wasn't seeing them and I would get so frustrated. And then I start the way I tell you, I see between 12 and 20 every single day now is like not an exaggeration. So it's like all in my world, I'm constantly seeing signs from the universe and signs beyond and signs from loved ones who have, have past signs from my spirit guides, all these things. And I thought that would be a cool, like topic to talk about with you. Oh yeah. Oh, it's, it's such a juicy topic and it can, it can really make, I mean, one of the misconceptions about grief too is that it is all sorrow and heaviness and actually there can be a lot of joy and gratitude in grief as well and a lot of happy memories and you can a part of what i feel is like a, an important grief practice that anyone can do on their own is to continue the conversation with their loved one and continue the connection. Um, and that will look different for everyone. Um, and if, I mean, I think probably your audience hopefully isn't on the more skeptical side, but for when I am talking to like a general audience too, I even tell like, you know, if you're skeptical, it doesn't have to, you don't have to interpret it as a sign from heaven or from an angel. You can just interpret it as your own personal touchstone of yes. like oh this is my memory that this is me remembering that the person and and feeling uh, a connection to them it doesn't it doesn't have to mean more than that to me it does mean more than that but um but you know once you invite in the once you're open to it and you can actively say you know you can say out loud like um, you know, okay, universe, I, I'd love to see a sign. Um, I wouldn't put too many uh, caveats on it because I'm sure you know, like the universe works on its own time, not not human time. Totally. Um, but the, I, you know, it, it puts your focus also, like if you're, if you're feeling really withdrawn and downhearted, um, and you open up to maybe receiving a sign and you go for a walk, you lift your head, you start looking around, you start noticing the beautiful things around you. And then while you're doing that, then maybe you might say, oh, look, there's a feather. Um, but even if you don't get that feather, you've gotten an experience of just looking around and, and noticing all the like micro joys in micro beauties available in the moment. Um, but, you know, I, well, talking about nature, um, nature is like my favorite way to get signs. Um, Me too. But, but, you know, I'll tell this story because I think my, I think my dad wants me to tell it because um, he'll, you know, he'll get a laugh out of it. Um, my dad was not, he, he's, <laughs> He, he, we would like tease each other. Um, 
you know, towards the end of my parents' life, we would have open conversations about, you know, you know, not, not we don't know how much time is left. So, um, you know, you can have practical conversations, but then you can also have conversations that are just, you know, um, you know, tell me about memories or, you know, saying important things that you want to say. Um, but my dad and I had a teasing relationship. So, um, and he would love to kind of like, you know, roll his eyes a little bit at my crazy, crazy ideas. Um, so I would tell him, um, you know, after, you know, after you guys are gone, I expect you to give me signs and like keep communicating with me. And, um, so my, my mom was a big animal lover and a big bird lover. So it's like, mom's easy because if I see a feather or if I see a bird, I'll think of her. And, and it is true. I, you know, I get a lot of birds. Um, and sometimes I'm in, in like the early days of like a more acute stage of grief. There were times when I'd be walking in the city and I would get um, three feathers in one walk, like not even out in nature but on a sidewalk in Brooklyn wow. and and not close together where like it was from the same bird it was like over the course of a 10-minute walk you know every few blocks I'd get a feather and it just felt like another little kiss mm -hmm. from from beyond um but so with my dad um you know, he, he didn't like to, he would, didn't talk much. He was a man of few words. Um, so I'd say, well, like, dad, what's, what's your sign going to be? <laughs> He'd just kind of like roll his eyes and laugh at me. And so one time I said, well, um, you know, since you always cut coupons, uh, if I, if I get like a coupon showing up out of nowhere, I'll, I'll know it's from you. Or if I get a really good discount on something, I'll know, I'll know it's from you. <laughs> so, I love that so much. So yeah, it can be completely personal. It doesn't have to be, you know, out of a textbook on like, you know, like what angel numbers mean. And it can and like it doesn't have to be like angel numbers are one 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 two two two. But uh, you know, I'll see my birthday a lot. Um, so or you might see your loved one's birthday or so it is really as open ended as it's possible to be, yes. if you feel the connection to something, it's, it's real to you. That's what it means to you. Um, but so anyway, after um, my dad passed um, in the, the immediate days after, you know, I had, I was writing his eulogy and, you know, helping out my mom and just like a really, really intense time. And um, I just wasn't eating, uh, just wasn't even, like occurring to me and I was just like so wasn't sleeping wasn't eating and um so and my dad was my dad was loved to cook and food was like one of his love languages yeah so um so it was like maybe three days after he passed and um I could feel myself like I didn't even like I had no food left in the fridge and I was just like I I feel myself like running on fumes I have to like stop what I'm doing and figure out something to eat right. and so I get a pop-up ad on my computer like I am not a Domino's pizza person I have never been a Domino's pizza person um, my family ate pizza every Friday night but not Domino's but 
I get a Domino's pizza pop-up for like an insane discount of like, you know, like $4 pizza, you know, with this coupon. Right. It's, like, it's like, my dad knows I'll eat pizza at the drop of a hat. And here's Hi, dad. So, so anyway, I, you know, I, I ordered the pizza. I walked to, um, to pick it up. And as I was walking back from the pizza place, I was in front of the, um, I still live in the town where I grew up and where I um, grew up with my parents. So I was passing the church where I, my family and I went, where my sister got married, where my parents renewed their, I think it was their 40th wedding anniversary. They had a ceremony there. Um, so I'm not like a regular church goer anymore, but it's still, I consider it like, you know, the family church. Yeah. Um, so I was directly in front of the church holding this pizza box and I looked down and on the sidewalk in front of me, is not just a feather, but the wings of a bird that had been killed by, I don't know, a cat or something. It was like, it looked like an, like angel wings. The, the, the bird's body was gone, but whatever had killed it had left the wings. <laughs> and, and I saw that I, I didn't take a picture right away. I actually went back after I dropped the pizza off. Yeah. <laughs> I had like, like more, like I had like processed enough to be like, I need a picture of that. <laughs> like I ran yes. back and it wasn't as like another animal had come along. So it wasn't like as beautifully laid out as it was when I first saw it. But um, it really, it was like, and I, I just kind of looked up. And I was like, that's pretty dramatic for you, dad. <laughs> like, <laughs> I could know, like, you wanted a sign. Right. Right. Um, so, and so then, then the, since things can come in threes, so I saw that and, you know, of course it like made me cry and it just made me feel like, nice. oh my God, like, I just feel like a whole, like a whole band of angels around me, not just my dad, but his parents and my, his sister and, you know, everyone, all the ancestors looking down on me, um, kind of laughing at me too. Like, oh, you wanted your, <laughs> you yes. wanted your, your feather sign. Well, Here's all of us. Right. <laughs> yeah, feather for, a feather for everyone. Yes. So then I continued walking back to my house. And as I was coming up to um, my front yard, there was a stray cat that I had never seen before right on my doorstep in front of my door and they're like some feral cats in the neighborhood and they usually like see people and run yeah. and this cat just just like made eye contact with me and just looked at me for a couple of minutes and then slowly walked away as I moved right up to the door but and I never saw the cat again so and my my family uh we're huge animal lovers and all our pets were strays that found our way to our house or that my sister picked up off the street or so that's like one of our love languages too is, is stray animals so that seeing that cat too like standing on my doorstep just kind of giving me a nod it felt like okay I, I have absolutely no doubt that that you're here with me you're you you know you'll watch over me forever so yeah it's making me very emotional thinking about it no but, I feel that so much and I'm so touched with 
with hearing this because I can relate so many times where this has happened to me and I just oh my gosh yeah <laughs> I feel like I feel like I was there with you just experiencing that like feeling like you said with all of your ancestors and angels there and your dad is so funny that he too was kind of like always rolled his eyes like yeah 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 right <laughs> beautiful connection yeah. you got to maintain yeah. with him so you can have fun with it you yeah. know and and even in that moment it did make me laugh of like oh my god <laughs> like what are you gonna do next um so there's and if you if you shut yourself down emotionally you you can miss all of that you can miss all the love that's still there for you Absolutely. And I think this is probably a great place for us to, and <laughs> <laughs> in, in, that, what you just shared is like encompass, encompasses like the sacredness of grief as well. And like the gift, if, if you, if you can find your resources and supports to stay as open as you can, as of course, as you process, and that's going to fluctuate so that you don't miss these connections that don't have to be gone. Right. Right. Oh my gosh, Annie, that was so special. I am, th this community is absolutely open to this discussion and talking about staying connected with our loved ones. And that's something that um, I do all the time with my loved ones as well, who have passed over. Well, I know you do Akashic readings and I think at some point I will sign up for one too, because I've gotten, Akashic readings from someone else I know where my dad did come through that way too so yeah for someone who was very quiet in real life like <laughs> he has a lot to comment on now that he's in another dimension yes uh, so, so people may not know that either like you you don't have to just look for like a psychic medium to try and you know do a seance or something that your loved ones will find ways to come through they do, especially the ones you're most close to, like a parent or grandparent, a friend, and a pet. They do, they find ways to come through. And I have friends that will come to me because they know I'm the person they can come to with odd encounter, you know, woo woo things. I'm like, I swear this was my dad or, or I swear this was, you know, my best friend from childhood or I swear that was my dog. And like, it, it was, that was your experience and it's true. And Oh, I just love this conversation and just encouraging anybody to, to like, let this validate them. Those experiences you've always remembered going, mm, was that? Yes. Mm -hmm. And the Akashic Records, you're right. It can be a beautiful place to connect with, with loved ones. They often come through in record readings. Um, sometimes Annie, I'll, I'll get preparing for a record reading and I feel one of them approach even before I've gone <laughs> into the records. I'm okay. Like you're ready to go through and being able to like share that with the other person and have that connection. It's always so, so special when they come through. Mm -hmm. And I think anybody can have that connection with, with their loved ones in that way, but this is a great way to get started with that and check and opening yourself for those signs and communication, but they will find a way to come through for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, well, Annie, this has been such a pleasure. I think we touched on so much today. Is there any last things that you'd like to say just about grief or anything you'd want us to know about the sacredness of it or the process of it, anything from your experience you'd like to share before we wrap up? Any last things? Um, well, I always love to remind people that your grief is worthy of tender 
attention and care. Whatever judgment you may put on yourself, and there can be a lot of guilt and shame involved in grief, depending on what may have happened or what trauma might have been involved. Um, or maybe there was no drama and you feel like you're making a big thing out of something small. If maybe it was, you know, um, someone you went to school with and, and it really hit you hard, harder than you expected, don't, don't question it, just honor it and um, know that it, it, it's a measure of how much love you have in your heart and how much love is around you still. Um, the other thing I'd like people to be mindful of is that grief is a full-bodied experience. Um, we're not just we're not just heads and hearts. We're bodies, and um, grief can add, like to go back to the nervous system to wrap up that way too. Uh -huh. um, you can become really dysregulated through, especially like anticipatory grief. Um, it's really stressful, um, so it's a whole exhausting process that you might have to go through. So anything you can do to be kind, kind to yourself physically, um, whether it's getting a massage or acupuncture or learning some nervous system practices or trying Qigong or um, doing a sound bath to just receive and let yourself, um, you know, your brain actually has to rewire itself in the process of grief. That's like a whole nother big conversation yes. that I wish more people understood that they've done brain scans where you can actually see grief in a person's brain wow. because you can, you can see parts of the brain light up. It's like physical pain. You can see emotional pain um, in the, and if you think of like how closely intertwined we are with our loved ones. You, your brain has to kind of remap everything about the world. Even like with a pet, you know, they're so tied to your daily routines and our brains are, are pattern makers. So um, that's why it can hit you too. Of like you get up and where's like, you're supposed to feed them breakfast now. Yeah. And it's, it's like literally confusing to your brain because that, that neural pathway is so deep so it takes time and resources to um so you know brain fog is real um grief brain there's a book called grief brain about this that um you know i, I hope people have compassion for themselves and for other people in their lives they may know after a loss that um you know your sleep changes your digestion might change you might have physical pains and the more you're suppressing your emotions, the more it might manifest physically. So, um, you know, be kind and gentle to yourself. Oh, that's so beautiful. Thank you so much for just sharing what you did in the entire episode and for being here. I think that's a perfect note to wrap this episode up on and that message of love and hope and that self-compassion just heaps and heaps and heaps of compassion for self, just like you would give to others, like turning that back on yourself, that well within you were mentioning about mm -hmm. earlier. Annie, where can people find you, find your work if they're interested in um, working with you and anything Annie says, guys, I'll drop in the show notes. Okay. Sure. Uh, my website is joyalchemyhealing.com 
And you can uh, sign up for my mailing list there. Um, I send out um, a once or twice a month newsletter where I remind people about the grief circle. Um, and I'm working right now on a self-paced digital course called Finding Your Way Through Grief that will be coming out later this year. So if you get on my email list, you'll hear more about that. Um, and you can also find me on Instagram. I'm at, at acupuncture.annie. Awesome. Annie, thank you so much. And for opening your, your heart and your energy to guide us through this conversation. Again, you do it so beautifully and like light enough where we can go there and explore the things and your energy. You're just such a healer. Let me just say you're <laughs> such a healer. Healers have that energy about them. And it was just such a pleasure to have you on today and, and guys give Annie a follow, um, sign up for her email list. Everything will be in the show notes to connect with her. Thank you again for being here today, Annie. Well, thank you so much, Hannah. This was such a gift. Oh, yay. Okay, guys. I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.